Quantum Conversations, your portal to the inner realms. Access infinite possibilities, infinite mastery, and infinite love. Mind-expanding, heart-opening conversations with some of the greatest spiritual teachers, luminaries, and healers of today's world. Usher in new earth by living in your sacred heart. Quantum Conversations is brought to you by AcousticHealth.com, home of music from the universe, online healing retreats, and this program. Claim your free registration to daily shows at AcousticHealth.com. AcousticHealth.com, your portal to the inner realms. Our program starts shortly. Welcome to another Quantum Conversation, brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and I invite you to sit back as we enter the Quantum Realm, that space of the greater part of you. It is your connection to infinite possibilities, infinite potential, and infinite mastery. And welcome, everyone. In this episode of Quantum Conversations, we are going to the beloved animal kingdom. My guest today is here to share her incredible awakening experience and something that happened to her that showed her her role on this planet in working with animals. In fact, it was the animals who asked her to return from a near-death experience to assist. And so I'm so pleased to introduce you to Ginny Jablonski, who is an animal communicator, and she has been working with rescued animals with her intuitive gifts since this experience of her own awakening and remembrance. Let's welcome Ginny Jablonski to Quantum Conversations. Hello, Ginny. Hello, Loren. Thank you so much. Having followed your podcast for so many years now, I cannot tell you how excited I am to actually be on this side of the microphone. Well, you have gone through an incredible journey, and we're going to learn about that journey. Every time I hear stories like this, I always uh, ask for the key timelines, and it falls in line with the collective and the first waivers and second waivers of the awakened ones and this experience of coming back to ourself and you fit those markers your story is quite amazing i have to say without getting into too much of the the details on this because it is sensitive we will share that you you were working as someone right in security for high-level public officials. And that's really the gateway to your awakening. Would you like to share that story? Yes. Well, I actually had my first near-death experience when I was three months old in 1966. So I think I do qualify uh, in that group of first waivers. So thank you for that. 
um, I worked toward the end of the last century for a private international security firm, and I became quite ill uh, during that experience, and I was unable to be diagnosed. I spent several years working with medical doctors trying to regain my health, and most of the options I had been given were narcotics or opioids, which I rejected for eight or nine years. In 2009, I agreed to accept the opioids, and that was a very slippery slope. And four years later, my brain forgot to tell my heart, pardon me, my brain forgot to tell my lungs to breathe. Um, so my heart stopped, resulting in a near-death experience. Now, during that time, I also owned horses. I rescued horses. Um, in particular, horses that had had uh, accidents on the racetrack or who were former uh, professional performance horses. And I would spend quite a bit of money rehabbing them over the years. But it, there came a time where it was no longer safe for me to ride or train my own horses. And I had to send one horse that had been rehabilitated to be rehomed in Southern California. And I sent one horse who was really not um, rideable to a sanctuary near my home. And for about two years after that, I continued every day that I could to visit him at the sanctuary and volunteer at the sanctuary. So I spent a lot of time there. There were 40 horses and about 70 or so donkeys. I would get up and, you know, get ready to leave the house and go to the sanctuary and muck a few stalls and brush a few horses. And I would go home and, and go back to bed. It was all I could do. At first, I did it five or six days a week, and then it was four or five, and, and then three or four. And eventually, I was no longer able to manage to get myself to the sanctuary. And that was about three or four months, I think, before my near-death experience. So I had had a lot of exposure to animals, and there was a lot going on during that time that I was not aware of. I had not previously been aware of spirituality or alternative anything. Um, my husband and I had tremendous faith in my doctors during that time, and we believed the doctors knew everything. So we didn't seek out alternatives out of ignorance, truly. Um, I majored in economics. My husband has two degrees. Um, we were, you know, educated, successful, professional people, but we just had no exposure to the spiritual or alternative community. So I wasn't aware when I was in, under the influence of the prescription opioids that there were some magical spiritual things happening to me with the animals until much later after my near-death experience when I underwent extensive um, regressive type therapy 
energetic healing, um, and a lot, experienced many different healing modalities. That is when I came to understand my previous relationship with the animals. Mm-hmm. Yes, in hindsight. Okay, so then they told you, so then coming up here then on the, the near-death experience, what was that like? Uh, well, it was the middle of the night. It was the night before my 47th birthday, and I was projected into a space of white light. No floor, no ceiling. There was a deciduous tree in front of me and a man that looked very much like all of the pictures of Jesus. There were also some nondescript angelic type beings in the distance. And I've always theorized that that may have been family members, etc. had I chosen to continue on to the other side, but they never quite came into focus. The man who I'm calling Jesus, I believe it was Jesus, approached me with his hand extended and said, come with me. You've suffered enough. Your life is over. And for some reason, my conscious mind knew that I had something important to do. And to be clear, while we are out of body, and there are thousands and thousands of documented near-death experiences, our consciousness is very much still with us. We are eternal beings, and our mind is very clear. And I thought better of going with Jesus, and I know that to some people might sound a little egotistical, and I promise you it wasn't coming from a a place of ego. It was coming from a deep, profound remembering of something I couldn't quite put my finger on. And I also had a very ironic thought in that moment, which was, if I leave, who will take care of my husband? Now, by that time, he was working a full-time job, caring for um, all of our animals, caring for me doing the grocery shopping, cooking three meals a day, really doing everything at home. And so it was rather ironic for me to think that my husband would be at a loss without me at that time. I'm sure he loves me very much, but it was quite a burden caring for me during that time. And as I thought these things, I heard some rustling behind me and I turned And there were the horses and the donkeys from the sanctuary. And the horses were just braying and screaming. And the horses were on their hind legs, just whinnying very loudly. And it was as if I could hear them say, don't go, don't go. Don't you remember? You have something important to do. And Without hesitating, without even trying to understand what that meant, I whipped back around to Jesus, who already had my hand in his, and I pulled my hand away, and I said, sorry, Jesus, 
I'm going with them. And I was back in my body. And I immediately started screaming. I just died. I just died. I just died over and over again. It was about 1.30 in the morning, as I recall, pitch black in our bedroom. And I just screamed, oh, 20 or 30 times at the top of my lungs. I just died. I just died. I just died. My lungs were on fire. There was no air in my lungs for we we sort of guess maybe 15 or even 20 minutes that I was gone. And my heart and my chest ached so bad because my heart had stopped. And I do have some damage to the right side of my heart from that event. Um, mm-hmm. After that, that next morning is when I looked at my husband in the eyes and said, I don't trust my doctors anymore. We have to get me off of these opioids and I want to live. And tears were just streaming down my face as I just looked in his eyes and I said, I don't know why, but I ha- I have something important to do. I don't know what it is. And I know it sounds ridiculous because I can't even take care of myself right now. But I have to live. I just have to. And he very lovingly said, I don't care what it takes. I want you to live too. So I am certain that he is here on this earth supporting me so that I can be in service in this way. And he feels very much through me, through our work, through the tremendous amount of money that we've invested in my journey and and the work that I do, that he is in service through my work as well. Yes, absolutely. What a beautiful team. So then what happened next? Well, that was both a fast and slow journey at the same time. It was slow in that it took me over a year to get myself off of opioids. And I travel the country speaking about my opioid journey. I know that's not our topic today, but if anyone is interested, my website has quite a bit of information about my medical journey and the different conferences where I speak about opioids and their overprescription. When Good for I, you. Thank you so much. When I went back to the doctor two days later, um, the next day, I've, you know, I made an appointment for the following day. I went back to the doctor and I said, these, these drugs are killing me. I have to get off. And they said, well, no one ever gets off. We've had thousands mm. and thousands of patients and we've had one or two decrease their dosage, but we've never had anyone successfully get off of opioids. You'll just eventually die on them. And I said, well, why don't you make a list of people who have succeeded and put my name at the top? Please, yes. you know, please reduce my dosage. And wow. at the time I was on 135 microgram of fentanyl. And when they mm. had increased it previously, just a month before, this was a new prescription. Um, I said to the doctor, you know, that's a lot of fentanyl. And shockingly, the doctor's response was, Mrs. Jablonski, we have surgeons and judges on more medication than this. Don't worry. (laughs) 
Well, that was mm. not as reassuring as they intended it to be. And um, shortly after that, I, m- my heart did stop. My brain did forget to tell my lungs to breathe. So um, I don't know how the rest of you feel, but I certainly want, w- would not want my child operated on by a surgeon who was on 135 micrograms of fentanyl. Um, so I, um, I did that on my own. Now, remember at that time, I wasn't aware of alternative healing modality or I had never read a spiritual book or a self-help book in my life. And so I, of course, I went to the spiritual bookstore and I bought 20 books and I came home with a drum and crystals and sage and I had no idea what to do with any of it and I just laid it all in front of me just as confused as ever and started reading and none of it made sense to me nothing I never heard what a chakra was or what a third eye was or I I knew nothing so it was um, really a long journey for me and my um, first experience pardon me I was crying so I (laughs) that was a beautiful story absolutely and I'd say that this is this qualifies as a rapid awakening oh very much because during that time and I had never known about an NDE I never heard the term near-death experience And I started, you know, dead people started coming to me and I could hear trees talk when I walked by them. And I knew when people weren't telling the truth, that was a difficult, that was more difficult, believe it or not, than, you know, dead people coming to talk to me. Yeah. So what was that like? That could be disconcerting to some. It could be frightening to some. How did you handle it? Well, I started to ask a lot of people if these things happened to them, and not surprisingly, they thought I was crazy. So mm-hmm. I only ever discussed it with my husband for a time. I didn't talk about it, and I decided to just go on a spiritual journey. I became a seeker. I consider myself still to this day, even after doing 16,000 hours of traveling, studying, interning, you know, become going to workshops listening to podcasts such as these for, you know, seven, six or seven years straight. Um, I This was a full-time job for me, seven days a week. I never really was freaked out by it very much, to be honest. I was never frightened. Everything that I saw, somehow, innately, I knew that it was all an opportunity for healing. I knew that somehow that this was information that I would need in the future. And speaking of information, I can say now with great confidence that it is common for people when they come back from near-death experiences to really have the door to the other side open very wide and the flow of information and data and the connection to the causal realms and beyond the what there are so many different words i've studied so many healing philosophies and re- religious um philosophies and and healing modalities that so many people have different words for different planes of existence realms the causal plane the akashic records the you know the fifth dimension whatever that might be i seem to have access to all of it 
well, I don't know about all, so I apologize for saying the word all. I, I seem to have access to quite a broad scope of frequency and variety of information because in this life I hadn't accumulated, I'm told, this is why, that I hadn't accumulated a predisposition against anything. In other words, I didn't believe anything, so I was open to everything. The definition of the word believe coming from the etymology, the the historical meanings of the foundations of the words from other language, it means that we are married to something or we have a preference for something. And I had no preference. So when, you know, deceased individuals or spirits came to me and shared with me their plight or their struggle, I had no reason to doubt them. And as I studied different religious philosophies or healing modalities, many seemed to negate some of that information or, you know, there are so many paradigms and I I sort of perceive these different paradigms as boxes within which some people choose to live. This is my cosmology. This is my understanding of how the universe works. This is my understanding of, of creation or energy and how it works. And when we are very married to or have a preference for one way that our energetic construct might operate, then that's how we receive our information. But because I didn't, I was able to receive information from many different sources. So does does that make sense and hopefully answer your question? Yes, it's beautiful. Okay, so um, I could ask so many questions about that, what you said there about you know, the the beings that came to you, disincarnate spirits and beings, but that's not the topic. So we're going to stay focused on the animals. So they really were there for you in that experience. And before I move on, you know, you didn't have a belief. You didn't have a preference. So you were open to everything. However, when you saw the man that looked like all the pictures of Jesus, that was your representation of some religious background. So I asked, did you, were you raised with a little bit of Bible school, you know, for kids, or did you have that influence, that religious influence or awareness? Yes. Up until about 11 years of age, I was raised Methodist, baptized Methodist, went to a Methodist church fairly regularly and went to Sunday school, etc. So I was predisposed to a belief in Jesus. However, in my adult years, I I never really pursued religion or or religious lifestyle. Yes. Okay. And so the point of my question is that right. That is just um, that's what happens. We are met by the familiar, what we are familiar with in our experience. And it's so beautiful that Jesus was there with you holding your hand. Okay. So then you come back and you're, you're, you're now able to hear um, these frequencies, these beings, you're, you're seeing into other realms. So the animals now are calling to you. So how, how did that unfold? Well, it's really interesting because 
although they were speaking to me from time to time, that's not how my journey evolved. And I didn't remember the animals from my near-death experience. That came back to me years later under hypnotic regression. Mm -hmm. What happened was I was trying to heal myself. I went on a spiritual journey. I was exposed to easily 20 or more healing modalities, um, looking for others to heal me, looking outside of myself for answers constantly. Mm -hmm. I went to Australia. I worked with a beautiful Aboriginal woman, shaman from Brazil, Native American masters, uh, many different healing modalities uh, that are very popular here in the U.S., from quantum healing to, you know, as something as simple as, holistic or, or, you know, variations of Reiki and everything in between. What happened was that on my journey, the healers began to tell me that I was a healer and I, I had a lot to offer. And I was smart enough to know that I needed more healing first, that I needed to be healed from the PTSD, from the trauma of all the pain I had endured for years when I had refused narcotics and opioids and from some unfortunate um, abuse when I was younger um, and even into my teens and early 20s. So I was pretty level-headed about it all, and I made sure that I was pretty far down the road um, on my own healing path and was able to bring information through as clearly as possible before I really was willing to put out a shingle and say that I was a medium or an animal communicator. Nevertheless, the the healers that I was working with, they would all say to me, well, can you help me? Do you have a message for me? Or I think I have a client that you can help. So eventually I gave in, but I didn't want to charge a lot of money because I felt a little bit like a fraud. All of these people had 20, 30, 40 years of experience and spiritual education, and I had four or five. And and I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll share the information because it's it's coming through to me. It, you know, it's not a skill that I have developed over, you know, decades. So if somebody has $20, I'll help them. I, I really wasn't willing to charge a lot of money. And it wasn't long into this experience that I was on the phone 10 hours a day. I mean, I was working a little too hard. <laughs> it was not a very balanced experience, but I loved helping people and I was helping so many people. And I had clients in, in Ecuador, in Panama, in uh, Brazil, in uh, Switzerland, in Mexico, in Canada, in Hawaii, in England, in Belgium. And I had clients everywhere. And I sort of became known quietly among my clients as the healer's healer because I worked with a lot of healers. And because I had, it's almost as if I was given every gift. So that if I were working with a person, I would see the way they see. I would be able to feel the way they feel. I would be able to determine what are the blocks to their gifts and abilities. So that I would was really in tune with each individual person because I was able to experience all of the clairs, you know, all of the senses. And it wasn't too long after that, maybe a year and a half or two into working with people more than full time, where the client's animals would start 
coming into the session. And it was really surprising to me. I honestly had forgotten about the animals. I was really focused on not dying, you know, and my healing journey. And from time to time, I would say to a gentleman, you know, I think there's a cat in your energy field. Do you have a cat? And he would say, well, no, I don't like cats, this particular man. And I said, well, there's a very determined cat in your energy field. Are you sure you don't have a cat? And he said, I know who this cat is. This cat belonged to my ex-wife when I first met her. And I said, oh, that's exactly correct. This cat is saying that it is not going to leave your energy field until you apologize for being so unkind. <laughs> mm-hmm. And other, you know, for example, I was working with a woman in Minnesota one day, and just this was a human session. And I said, do you have a horse? And she said, yes, I do. And I said, well, I think your horse wants to talk to you. He seems a little agitated about something. And she said, yes, well, I would actually like to ask him a question, too. And I said, well, okay, he's right here. And he's very upset. He says that you want him to be the leader of the herd, and he can't be the leader of the herd. And she said, you know, that's exactly why I'm I'm very upset right now. The other horses won't let him under the shelter when it's raining, and he's the leader of the herd. He should be asserting himself, and I'm just really disappointed in him. And... The horse said to me, I can't be the leader of the herd anymore. She doesn't understand. And the woman said, well, he only had one eye removed. I don't know what the problem is. So here, you know, the horse had diminished capacity. He had only had one eye. And um, so I explained to her that he was no longer the leader of the herd. And, you know, I tried to do it in the most tactful, loving way. But it always seemed that animals would come to me with pretty unique requests. And that's how it it happened. And as I was meditating one day and asking my own soul, what is going on? Why are there so many animals coming into my session? A, A large number of animals came forward right in my face, right in my vision and said, don't you remember You're supposed to be working with us, not them. And that's how it was brought to my attention. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so here you are. You work with animals. And the topic of our conversation is healing trauma in rescued animals. Now, why is this your focus? Um, You know how to heal this trauma. That's really your skill. Yes. Well, I had to heal myself from trauma. Remember, if Mm -hmm. I was going to call myself a healer, which I don't really call myself a healer, I believe true healing comes within each and every one of us. I believe that I help people remember that they have the tools to heal themselves, and I share all of the tools that I learned on my extensive journey. Mm -hmm. But... um, what happened was I I had to go through, it's like we're all so familiar with the hero's journey, right? I had to go through the cycle after cycle after cycle of healing myself and having my struggles become my medicine to acquire the skills necessary to heal myself in order that I could heal them with others. And I believe I went through that journey with humans first 
so that I would know and understand that the same healing and the same trauma applies to animals as well. Because the fact is, in the traditional animal communication community, many people do not believe that and do not teach that. Mm-hmm. Many people believe that um, that animal communication is very limited. And, of course, we all do our work through our own filter and through our our own perspective. But healing myself in this way is what helped me to be able to use these same skills with animals. Now, it was never my intention to focus on this. It was my intention to work with people. But the animals came in and said, don't you remember about us? And so I began to share with people that I was also an animal communicator. And about, I think it was during that year um, where I had developed a few animal communication clients, there was a fire in San Diego, a very um, uh, a, a very bad fire called the Lilac Fire in San Diego County. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard a voice say, you have to go there. I have full body chills telling this story. And I, I didn't know anybody. I had one friend, I think, in San Diego. And I just went back to sleep. I thought, that's crazy. I'm not going to, to volunteer. Where would I go? I don't know anybody. What would I do? And about three hours later, I heard another voice. It was five in the morning. Go to San Diego. Five o'clock, I got up, packed my bag. I was in the car by 6.30 on my way to San Diego. I had no idea why I was going to San Diego. I went directly to the Del Mar Fairgrounds where they were housing over 900 horses that were evacuated from the fire. And in that experience, I was there for eight or nine days. I met many people. I um, now have a tremendous customer base in San Diego County and the, the surrounding area. And I met a number of people in rescue because a couple of sanctuaries and rescues had to bring their animals to Del Mar. And honestly, they were a little more open to having me work with their animals than traditional horsemen are. are and that is just sort of a known fact that um, – a lot of horsemanship is based on very fundamental values and fundamental horsemanship. So I found myself very busy working with people who had rescues and sanctuaries. And there was one particular horse who caught my eye. Her name was Claire. I've written about her on my website, on my blog. I've I've documented my entire experience. But long story short, this horse was phenomenal. She channeled through me the most loving incredible, happy messages. She was in love with people. She was in love with life. And I resolved that I was going to adopt her. And when I left Del Mar, I made plans to go back and visit her at their sanctuary that weekend. So five days later, they would then be back at the sanctuary and I would go and visit and I would um, volunteer for a couple of days at the sanctuary working working with other animals there and helping them to recover from the trauma of being evacuated in the fire. And there were many horses that were very traumatized from the fire, and especially because many horses died in the fire, and all of the horses knew that some horses had died in the fire. So there was tremendous amount of fear and trauma. 
Well, I continued to work that week. I had many private clients. I was invited to go to people's private facilities and homes, et cetera. And that weekend I went to go to the sanctuary. And as soon as I showed up, they said, did you hear what happened to Claire? And I said, no, I nobody talked to me. And sure enough, as they were loading her to go back to the facility, um, she got spooked and she reared up and she fell over and she broke her back. Oh. And they didn't want to put her down. They were trying on some level to see if she would make it through. Well, she showed me that she had a broken rib, which penetrated the pleura, which is the sac around the, the lung. You know, that in a, in a human body, we would think of that as um, pleural pneumonia, right? If we puncture our pleura, we then get fluid in between the lungs, the muscle themselves, and the sac. And so that's pleural pneumonia. And so um, eventually she died a few days later. I wanted to adopt her. I tried to um, take the steps to adopt her, but they wouldn't allow me to because now she was in distress and under the care of a veterinarian. And um, I did drive home to Arizona. And a few days after, I got the news that she had passed away. So because of that experience, because of my exposure to sanctuaries and rescue horses and all of the trauma that experience in that week's experience and in memory of Claire, I decided to dedicate myself to rescued animals and I thought I might do it for a year. And I spent about $50,000 that first year traveling around the country, visiting rescues, asking people what I could do to help and be of service and help animals. And I just developed such a reputation for working with these traumatized animals that I've become known for that. And I, it seems to be my calling. I'm quite good at it. And, and that is how that part of my work evolved, sadly, but that's my story. Yes, well, thank you for your journey and, and sharing that and listening to the call of your heart and helping other animals. And so as you help people with their pets, we're going to take some questions now. Uh, there's some coming in because you can tune in to the animal. And we wanted to try something here on this call for those who have pets in their own house or their own lives. You you would like to um, have people let us know if their animals are acting differently, right? Can you explain? Yes. It's very common for me if I'm working on a, a telephone call with a human with no intention to involve the animals. This is just a human client. At least three or four times out of every ten clients, the human will say, boy, my dog is acting very strangely. And, they, you know, some people don't even know I'm an animal communicator because I have two completely different websites and two completely different sets of, of clientele. And they'll say, my dog, he's acting like he wants to say something. Isn't that strange? And I'll say, well, actually, no, it's, it's not very strange. And I also have a, a mentor group, clients that I mentor twice a week, um, every month throughout the year. And a lot of them comment on how their animals exhibit strange behavior when I am on the phone with them. 
And whether it be that, you know, a dog will come up and put their paw on someone's knee or a cat who's really not a people person will come and sit right on their lap during the conversation. So I'd be really interested in any feedback with anyone who feels as if their animal is trying to reach out during the phone call. Um, but I would also like to add one thing. On your site, Loren, I have offered a free 15-minute download. It's an audio file where I talk about how I work and why I work the way I do. And um, one of the things that I do not offer, and, and I apologize in advance to anyone who would be interested in, in this, I do not offer 15, 20, 30-minute sessions with animals because I do both animal communication and energetic healing, and I heal at such a high level, it really doesn't honor the animal to offer less expensive, shorter sessions. So if there is anyone who does call in or um, I'm lucky enough to be able to work with someone's animal on the call today, I would like to offer them for free a follow-up session with me to ensure that we are fully honoring their animal and really hearing everything the animal has to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you do sessions with your clients and their animals. That is in your special offer. And that's why you offer a single session or multiple sessions at a very special price for our audience. So we thank you for that. All right. So Here are some questions. Should we start with a question? Sure. Okay. Okay. Okay, so we have one here from Elena, who is talking about a rescued short-haired German pointer Daisy, Daisy was neglected and kept in a very small cage, a crate, and every day for a few years where she couldn't get, uh, she wasn't able to get up or sit up. And she's been very happy roaming with her, with Elena around in this rural area and enjoying freedom and good food. However, however, she's developed a nasty habit of eating soil, which causes all kinds of digestive issues. So different energy healing sessions have not helped to resolve the problem. What can you say to Elena, Ginny? Well, first I would like to say that I also have a rescued dog who was from a puppy mill, and she lived the first three years of her life in a cage. So I, um, I understand some of the difficulties that you might be experiencing. Um, with respect to Daisy, I'm assuming I have permission to tap into her energy. Uh, Daisy has not only trauma from this life, but she has some past life energies that it would be very helpful to heal as well. I believe she has a past life where she was affected by a disease similar to wasting disease in deer, but I don't believe she was a deer. I believe... like. It looks, I think maybe a water buffalo. I wanted to say cow at first, but I feel like a water buffalo um, in in drought conditions. Um, So we would, 
I would encourage um, Daisy to get some help to resolve that past life trauma, and I'm certainly happy to volunteer to help with that. And then she also has uh, trauma from this life as well. Um, if you don't mind if I'm quiet for just a moment to listen, just a So one thing that I think Elena can do right off the bat is to call the spirit of Daisy's mother forward to nurture her and comfort her. That would be quite helpful. And it doesn't matter to us whether Daisy's mother is um, deceased or living. Just sit quietly, ground yourself, drop into your heart. Focus on your own loving light, clear your energy field, and begin to talk quietly with Daisy and remind Daisy that she has the ability to communicate with her mother and then call on the soul of the mother to come forward and surround Daisy. Secondly, I would would really look into trauma release techniques. And if you're not interested in working with me, there are other specific healing modalities that um, are specific to animals that are multi-leveled that can get very advanced, one of which is owned by my girlfriend, Carol Comator, called Healing Touch for Animals. And there might be some people in the audience who are even interested in learning about Healing Touch for Animals. I don't make any money on this. I'm not trying to self-promote in any way. Um, but just even doing the level one class will give you some idea of how to work with animals in a broader context, broader than holistic healing or Reiki. I myself don't use this, but I, I recommend it as a legitimate um, modality. And it might, but the person who um, Daisy would need to work with would have to be an advanced practitioner of that modality in order to uh, work with her uh, amygdala and other areas of her brain and body that are retaining cellular memory, such as her gut and the lining of her intestines um, and her heart. She has a significant amount of grief and sorrow and disappointment, as anyone um, can imagine. No one would blame her for that. Um, I feel like I'm supposed to say something else. Just a moment. She has a message for her owner, and that is that she is quite content in her care in her current home. She wants all the listeners, oh, crying. She wants all the listeners to know that she is well cared for and well loved by this lovely woman and that her home is beautiful. And she feels in a way that she doesn't deserve this love because she has amassed such doubt and self-doubt. And as we all know, especially those of us who were abused or neglected as children, when we are abused, we stop loving ourselves. We don't stop loving the abusers. And this is very, very true for the animals as well. And they begin to take on a sense of unworthiness in the same way that we as humans do. And if if the audience takes anything away to the to today Loren from this conversation 
I very much want to impress upon people how very true it is that animals experience the same loss, the same grief, the same doubt, the same silly, quirky, ridiculous, sarcastic, funny tendencies and and take on human belief systems. And those are the things that regular, traditional animal communication just does not address. I hope that I've given Elena enough information to help her today on her journey. If she would like to move forward with me again, all she has to do is contact your staff. And I ask, please, that um, you give her my direct uh, email and I will work with Daisy. That's so beautiful. Thank you. All right, Daisy. We're so happy for Daisy. Okay. And here's a question. There's a couple of questions around this. Can you talk about uh, animals reincarnating and coming back into our owner's lives and also maybe popping in and out of, like walk in and walk out of animals in our life? Can you talk about that? Do you know anything on it? Now, I don't hold myself out to be an expert in anything, and I will probably never write a book about how the universe works. And I want to be very clear that if the things that I say offend anyone else's sensibilities or belief systems, I truly apologize. I, again, I do not have a belief system. I only know what I have experienced and been told by the animals. And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. All of these things, in my experience with animals, do exist. They do reincarnate. They do walk in, pop in from time to time to give messages. All of this is very true. But I really want to caution everyone to understand that a lot of these experiences, a lot of the reasons for them reincarnating are more, in my opinion, in my experience, are sometimes much more complex than some people might have you understand. There is a beautiful um, perspective that some animals come in with a with a purpose and a contract to um, help people on their spiritual path. And I cannot invalidate that uh, blanketly, but I can say to you that that I I have really struggled in seeing animals who have suffered or taken on illnesses or um, been in unfortunate circumstances because they have had such obligations, which can easily be cleared. And I'd like to share a story about that to try to explain what I'm trying to communicate to you. I was at a sanctuary in, oh, goodness, um, South Central Colorado, just off the 25, I think it's a La Vida Pass. I don't remember the name of that, but going toward Wolf Pass there off of the 25. And there was a, a new horse who had just come in, and he was male, a gelding. And I didn't know anything about him. And as I was walking around working with the animals, he came forward and showed me that he had pain in his heart. Now, just like human beings, we sort of get three strikes, right? We get three warning systems from our energy field. 
we have a distortion of our energy and we don't answer. Okay, then it comes into our thoughts and we don't address our thoughts and we don't answer. So then it solidifies the frequency of the fear or the grief or the shame or the anger takes root in one of our organs or glands and then our body begins to dysfunction. A lot of people refer to that as disease, the energy of disease. Well, this same thing happens with animals. The energy exists in their energetic construct, the luminous energy field, and then it begins to enter into their thoughts. And I have a really fun story about that if we have time. And then it begins to affect an organ or a gland. So this horse came forward and showed me a significant amount of energy around his heart and asked me if I could clear it. And I said, uh, yes, I'd be happy to. And I asked the owner of the facility, may I have permission to do energy work with this horse, not just animal communication? And yes, of course. And as I began to put my hand on the chest of the horse, the horse's eyes lit up and his head came up slowly and gently and he backed away, backed away from my hands. And of course, I didn't push it. I didn't go toward the horse. I didn't say, I know what you need. Let me help you. You need me. I I paused and I listened and I asked, what is making you choose not to receive the healing? And he said, because I promised. So I said to the woman, this is what I feel. I feel he has energy in his heart. And if he doesn't release this heart, this energy in his heart, he will die of congestive heart failure. And the woman just about fainted. The look on her face, she turned white as a sheet. And I said, what, what is wrong? And she said, the horse was placed in my care because he was owned by a man for the last 20 years who is now dying of congestive heart failure and he is in hospice. And I said, okay, well, this horse is clearly taking on the energy of this man. So please let me ask the horse what he means by he promised. And I said to the horse, I, I want you to know that there is nothing you can do to save this man's life. And I honor your love for him and commitment for him. And we together can send love to him. But nothing that you do will prevent his death at this point. Is there another reason that you are unwilling to let go of this energy? And he showed me a vision where they had had a past life together. And the man was in the military. And it just so happened the man was the county sheriff in this life. And in the previous life, the man was a, a military man and the horse was a horse in battle. And and the horse felt that the man's death in the previous life was his fault. And so he promised to take on the man's burdens in this life. And so we had quite a conversation about how um, all of these types of agreements and obligations are harmful to everyone. And this is my experience and this is my uh, opinion as I sit here today that you know, Loren, you have your energy and I have my energy and we are all responsible for each of our obligations and our karmic debt and our spiritual debt. In my perspective, from everything that I have learned, it's not appropriate for me to ask you to hold my spiritual debt this life and suffer while I go off and have a little bit of fun. That's And this is what the animals seem to be doing in mass right now.
And so what I did, and you know, the animal had walked away. What I did was I stepped back and I asked the woman permission to address the herd. And I out loud exclaimed my position on all of these obligations and contracts and that they are very unnecessary. And in fact, they cause what I refer to as quantum entanglement, soul entanglement, and that we all need to be free to feel our own energy and to understand and realize our own karma, that our karma is not necessarily absolute, that we can resolve it through forgiveness and self-awareness. We do not necessarily have to live through the, the suffering to balance the scales. One way to balance the scales truly is to apologize or to realize that there was a misunderstanding. So I spoke this out to the entire herd and I asked the herd if they, if any of them had obligations that they would like to release. And we did a beautiful healing and then I went on and talked with this woman about a, a foal that was having some problems and I was just about to leave and the gray gelding came back over to me and put his head down and said, I'm ready to do the healing now. And there's a beautiful picture of me on my website standing in front of him with my forehead to his forehead and my hands on the side of his uh, mouth. And we are just standing and sharing love and revoking agreements and letting everything go that we ever took on that doesn't belong to either one of us and sending love to his owner. And he is very healthy and very clear today. That is so beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. All right. Well, the animals are so compassionate for us and they truly do help us. And so thank you. All right. Let's take another question. This one is from Missy. And Missy says, I have a rescue dog who's always been aggressive towards other dogs when being walked. I don't take her out much now as I get overwhelmed, and I've tried many different methods to help her. It was an issue with the previous owner. She is sweet and loving, and I'm concerned she's in pain or unhappy. Her name is Sierra. All right. Ginny, any insight? Sure. Um, let me just be quiet for just a moment and tap in with Sierra. I'm getting right away that... This is a this life experience, so just a moment. Um, what I'm getting is that this stems from something that happened to Sierra, I'm assuming a female dog, um, when she was a puppy. I'm getting that there was an, an altercation when she was far too young to be able to uh, defend herself and it was an older dog. 
I feel as if this took place in the home where she was born, but I, I'm not getting the sense of a professional breeder situation. Um, that she has a lot of fear of medium or large dogs. If, if they're medium size or larger and medium to me means, you know, 13 pounds and, and bigger in this case. Um, I feel like the fear does not necessarily belong to her, that it belongs to the dog that attacked her. The dog that attacked her was very fearful, and that's why um, that dog attacked her when she was younger. I'm certain that a lot of this energy can be transmuted um, just by sitting with the dog and activating your heart space and grounding and connecting and reminding Sierra that all of the fear that she is experiencing does not belong to her. Unfortunately, as her life evolved and as she felt the fear, she began to take on the fear as her own and develop this behavior pattern. So what I'm trying to say is I don't think this would could be resolved in one animal communication session, whether it was with me or anyone. Um, I would like to talk to her more and, and get to know her a little more. I don't I don't seem to have access for her to any past life information. So that's right now um, the best I can do. I have to be honest. I don't feel as though Sierra is very trusting of me in this moment. I'm not doing my usual um, meet and greet and, and taking the time that I would to share my heart and love and prep the client as to how to speak with her. So it's totally understandable that she's not trusting me and not wanting to give me a lot of information. But just that little bit of information should help on some level. Thank you. Okay, beautiful. We're going to go to a phone caller now. Let's go up to San Jose, California, area code 408. Hi, caller. What's yes. your name, please? Oh. Hi. Julia. Hello. Hi. Did you say Julia? Hi. Julia. Julia, hi. So you have a question. Yeah, hi. Yeah, thank you for taking my call, and I've just so enjoyed this. Um, so I met a very abused uh, donkey named Walter James. He was on his way to slaughter, and he was saved by a rescue organization that lives down the street from me. This was last April. So I would go over and visit him twice a day and kind of started being his advocate and uh, ended up adopting him. I moved him down to a donkey sanctuary so he could meet a friend because I heard that donkeys should really be with other donkeys. So then at the end of October, I brought uh, Walter James and Dudley Ray onto my property to join my two horses. And the herd gets along very well, um, but it's been, you know, eight or nine months that I've known Walter. And since the end of October, I basically see him several times a day out there feeding him and talking to him. and and I still can't touch him. 
So I was wondering what thoughts or if Walter has anything to say or anything I can do to make him feel more comfortable. Yes, and may I have your permission to just give you a little bit of human perspective and advice first and then ask you a oh, couple sure. of questions? Okay. So sure. the very best advice, if I could only say one thing to you, is never try to touch him again. We never ask an animal, especially a horse or a donkey, to do something they're not willing to do. So does that mean you will never touch him? Absolutely not. That means I'm inviting you to rethink the way you are approaching trying to create a relationship with him. My suggestion mm -hmm. is to take a chair out there and get a book about animal communication or horsemanship or something that brings you joy. It doesn't matter if it's knitting or, or underwater basket weaving. Get a book and clear your mind and don't think about anything. And most importantly, have no expectation that he ever, ever submit to anyone's will again. And I promise you, you will be more surprised by the progress you make. I always say, if you take the time it takes, it takes less time. Mm -hmm. Does, does yeah. that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I actually do do that. Yeah, I go out there with my plastic chair and my cup of coffee, and I'll sit with them, and he'll take treats from me. But, um, yeah, so, I, it, it's hard because I want to put a blanket on him when it's when it's cold, and I can't. Oh, he's a donkey. He doesn't need a blanket. He does not need a blanket. Now, one of the ways um, that I suggest you begin to – so if you stand up, does he immediately move away from you, or is it he'll only take the treats when you're sitting down? No, he doesn't. No, he comes up to me now. He won't move away. Um, he sniffs my hand a lot. He follows me around. Um, and if I'm standing, he won't necessarily run away. If I do make a kind of a quick movement, then he mm -hmm. will jump away. Well, two, but, two things. Um, One is a question. comes up to me and follows me. Okay. Um, for donkeys, our front hands are like their front legs, and donkeys use their front legs to strike. Mm -hmm. Right. Predators strike. Yeah. So um, I, I would also like to ask, do you know the type of um, you said he was abused? So does that mean he was roped or do you or he was starved or what type of abuse? Uh, he has burn marks on him. Yeah. So he was roped. And OK, that's what I thought. I Yes. Yeah. So normally and he's the way BLM I work, because he has a tattoo, so they think that he was illegally taken off BLM land. Sure, sure. Um, okay, so normally the way I work is I don't know anything about the animals first. That way everything I say you're able to verify. So when I just asked you if he was roped because I, I, I knew he was, but I didn't want to make assumptions. Um, one of the things that he's going to need a lot of attention and care for is the the releasing the trauma and the memory of being roped. Mm -hmm. And um, secondly, I want to go back to the not using our hands uh, thing, and that is when you're with him or when he's close to you, if you can um, never turn 
never turn your back completely to him because that's how donkeys push each other around by sort of running backwards and lifting their feet up, right, kicking out. But if you can stand next to him and sort of brush up against him and just get him used to even a little bit of contact that way and maybe even just gently um, allowing your arm to graze him, and then walk away. Never ask for too much. If if you have a tiny success, assume that that's a major, major success and walk away because everything happens with donkeys, especially traumatized donkeys, much slower. I, by the way, own four formerly traumatized, three formerly traumatized donkeys and one donkey who, um, to my knowledge, uh, did not have trauma in this life. So I am a donkey owner as well as a horse owner. Um, you probably just heard them out there braying. So is is that helpful? Yeah, I yeah I um I I it's very interesting because he always wants to face me, which I totally get. So if I turn to my side and kind of graze him, I yeah I think that's going to be something that I can work towards. Um, I don't see that happening no. at this point. It's okay, but, but yeah, knowing do, we have knowing, been making progress. Knowing that, then please allow me to give you another method. Because he always wants to face you, what I would do is sit down and allow him to come to you. And this mm-hmm. is another with especially with traumatized donkeys, we never we never reach out to them. We allow them to come to us. Because donkeys ground unconditional love on the planet through their hooves. What they want more than anything is to stand next to you and share heart space. So I would invite him to share heart space with you by activating your own heart and lowering your chin and lowering your eyes and just being in that loving space with no expectation and slowly but surely over the next few weeks, you will experience him inching closer and closer to you. But again, do not lift out your arms. Just allow him to come to you to the point where you are short. You'll first be head and head, then you'll be neck and neck, then you'll eventually be shoulder and shoulder. And that will be a tremendous success. Once you have achieved that level of partnership, everything else will become much easier. Okay, yeah. And is there anything that he wants to tell me or he wants to share? Um he's uh he's grateful for his new home. He's scared, he's uncertain. He he's he's wondering what's going to happen to him next. Um this is I'm just a, a stream of consciousness. This is not the life he expected. He's very confused. He doesn't understand what's happening. Um he would definitely benefit from an animal communication session. And and there are many, many, many wonderful animal communicators out there. So um, if you're predisposed to work with me, beautiful. If not, please do um, work with someone who can help to communicate with him because when animals that were in the wild were removed and there's a lot of trauma and fear, I often see their key chakra is shut down and they're unable to telepathically communicate. So even just a regular animal communicator, he might not be able to hear them. A regular traditional animal communicator who 
does something that I describe as they remote view the thoughts. All of our thoughts create pictures. So some animal communicators work in a way that accesses their thoughts and they're able to see pictures and interpret the pictures. Now that doesn't mean that the animals are hearing us. I myself have an experience with a personal animal and a professional animal communicator to that end where I was putting down an animal, and this is before I did this professionally, and the animal communicator assured me that my horse um, knew that the other horse was being put down, and as soon as the animal was put down, the horse screamed at me for three days straight, and I oh. called that animal communicator, and they couldn't figure it out, and I tapped in, and I realized, oh my gosh, she didn't hear the animal communicator, and I was able then to track down what was the block, why is she not telepathically hearing my communication and the animal communicator's communication. So um, there are many, many, many different kinds of animal communicators. Do your research, get some feedback, listen to, you know, read their reviews, um, their testimonials, and try to see, you know, who you resonate with. Um, I keep my well, prices. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, is this something Walter wants to do? Because I don't want him to force. I don't want to force him to do a session if it's not what he wants. Mm -hmm. I simultaneously. I simultaneously got chills on my arm when you asked that question, as I also felt a little pang in my heart. So he is confused. He is fearful. He has some trepidation, and that is probably more having to do with his life experience than it would be communicating. But again, this is not the normal way I go about communicating. Normally, we have several days for you to talk to them about it ahead of time, and they're able to feel my energy and feel my heart. So this is sort of a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, with an animal who's already traumatized and fearful and not trusting of people, which I never recommend be done this way, but I'm grateful for the opportunity. So I do get that he, he both uh, desires some assistance and would benefit from assistance. So, yes. Great. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's very exciting to have these conversations. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm so sorry I didn't hear what you said. Oh, I said Walter is just so super special to me that I just really am hopeful that I can help him, that, you know, he can get to a good place. Well, with any donkey and especially traumatized ones, patience is a virtue. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thank you. How and no sweet. expectation because they know, they know when you are expecting something that they cannot give and that makes them even more anxious. So right. take yep. it, take, be, be easy on yourself. Take it easy on him. Focus on love. I always say forgiveness is the key. Love is the answer. Everything I do is heart-centered. Everything is about love. And if you focus on your heart and healing his heart, you will eventually develop a beautiful partnership. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much, too, for all the animals that you help, all the humans and all the animals you help. Oh, just, it's, my, it's, really wonderful. it's my pleasure. It's a, it's a gift for me as well. Someone recently asked me, Oh, you're very welcome. Someone recently asked me, do I enjoy my work on a scale of 1 to 10? How much do I enjoy my work? I said 100. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
beautiful. So sweet, Julia. Thank you so much for caring for that sweet donkey. Wow. That's so sweet. All right. All right. Let's take one more caller. Uh, this time we're going to Kalamazoo, Michigan, area code 269. Hi, caller. Hello. You're unmuted. Hi. What's your name? Hi. This is Melissa. And I'm, um, I'm trying, oh my gosh. I just want to, I don't know where to go with this. I want to thank you for the call, and I really was going to talk about an animal. But at this point, I'm going to say to you, the animal I want to talk about now is me. I, this call, I, I don't know where, I have to share with you. I mean, I love you. Everything, I, I felt so resonant with you. And I was thinking, I had a near-death experience when I was a child, and I I was with animals. I wasn't with angels, and I wasn't with bright lights. I was immediately in the woods, and all of the animals came out of the woods, and they were all around me, and they were touching me, the bear and the deer, and they all came up to me, and they were, like, licking my hand, and the bird sat on my shoulder. It was just a really beautiful experience. Anyway, um, I... I have always been very uh, sensitive, and I feel more connected to nature and animals my whole life. Um, I, I, I guess what I, all I want to say is that when you started talking, when you started sharing your experience, I just started crying. I couldn't stop crying. And then when you talked about the horse, the first horse story, I had a lot of, um, I started crying again. And then the other horse, before you even talked about the heart problem, my heart just started to ache so bad, and it still does. I still have this, like, twinge, like, right deep in the center of my heart that's very tight. But I guess maybe my question is, is how, and maybe this can help other people, because I don't think I'm the only one that's really sensitive with the animal kingdom, but. Um, like I have always felt, I always wanted to be an animal communicator, but I never cared about, you know, basic things like, well, did he like that ball or should I do? To me, it was all about this really deep kind of, kind of like what you're talking about now. These kinds of things are all that really mattered to me. And, but, but I don't, I feel more like, for me, it's about feeling. Like, I'm an animal empath. I always know how they're feeling. And um, I don't know. It's like I just want to know how do I how do I help myself or take care of, um, like, I feel traumatized by this call. And I'm sorry. I don't mean that this is my own thing. It has nothing to do. The call is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. But there is something that has been triggered in my heart from this that I just, I'm so sorry. I'm so emotional. I just, I don't know where to go with this. And I just wondered if you could share a quick little thing for me, um, because I'm sure this will carry through with my animals because they definitely, my dogs all started howling. And so I know that they know you're here and this is all happening. So I just wondered if, I know it seems all very mystical, but this is who I am. So if you could please, thank you. We feel your heart, Julia. Or Melissa. Um, Melissa, we feel your heart. Melissa, yes. 
Um, so first, oh my gosh, I have so many things I want to say to you right now. Um, first of all, what is happening to you is, is real and it is true. And I think you're speaking to me for a reason because there might be some people who, you know, they don't believe that animals can be humans and humans can be animals. Or some believe that, well, they can, but a dog has to experience the love of a human in order to graduate to be a human soul. Okay. No. Not, that, none of that in my experience is what the deceased animals on the other side have shown me. And if I may just sort of stream of consciousness for you, you have been an animal more than you have been a person, as I have. I have been an animal more than I have been a human being, more than I have been uh, in a physical human body. I have been a non-physical animal more times than I have been a physical animal. Are you resonating? Is your body vibrating with what I'm saying to you? Yes, definitely. The same thing is true for you. We are kindred spirits. I felt it. Okay. Now, nobody, nobody can teach you how to be you, but people can guide you and share their journeys. But you have a very, very, very special, special gift. And if you, it, it is not predestined, but if you wanted to develop, to remember the gifts and abilities you already have, you could blow doors off of me, honey. And I'm pretty darn good. So there's so much to say. I, I will share a story. You shared a story with me. I'm going to share a story with you. I went to a famous medium, Mark Anthony. Famous, famous, amazing man. I couldn't really afford his $1,000 an hour session, so I went to a group where, you know, they had eight or ten people, right? And he goes around the room, and he's got five or six people, and each person gets 20 or 25 or even 30 minutes of all of this incredible information. And I think he did five people, and he got to me, and he looked at me, and he goes, I'm going to get back to you. And then he finishes the, the next three people in the circle and he's done with everybody, and he sits quietly staring at me and because everybody was talking to humans, right? And he looks at me with a little bit of a frustrated, why are you here, kind of. He goes, well, is there anybody you want to talk to on the other side? And, you know, I was really abused and had, quite frankly, not the best family. And that's not what this show is about. But there weren't that many people on the other side who loved me very much or that I had any, you know, love for them. So I said, oh, I'll, I'll talk to anybody because I just wanted to meet this amazing man. Oh, my gosh, he's so incredible, right? And he's quiet for a minute and he goes, well, I have to be honest. From the time we walked in this room, it's just been filled with animals. And the animals were telling me that – um that you're an animal communicator. And I said, mm-hmm, you know, I was just, I'm trying to be low key, right? I'm not famous. I'm just, I'm just Ginny. I'm here for a reading. And he says, well, they're telling me you're like a really good animal communicator. And I said, mm, yeah, I'm okay. You know? And he says, 
they're telling me that the reason why there are no humans here today is because you don't feel safe around humans. Does that resonate with you? Yes, it's bringing, yes. So when you had your near-death experience, there was no religious deity that came forward. That doesn't mean it's bad or good. I'm not judging it. I'm just saying what you experienced was the animal kingdom. Yes, where I felt safe. Exactly. That's where you felt safe. So you need to get on my website and email me and we need to talk. And I am not drumming up, you know, some business here. I need to, we need to know each other. If, if I'm not the person to help you, I will have recommendations. I can have, you know, books, suggest books that you might want to read. Other people, I have friends all across this country and frankly across the world who do different kinds of work that might be able to facilitate different types of healing that I don't do. Some of them charge more than me. Some of them charge less, uh, you know, but this for me, is not about making money or uh, developing a client. This is helping another human soul, another animal soul, find their center and live their truth and heal from the shock of not being loved, not feeling safe in this life. And I don't want to um, cut this conversation short. I want to continue it. But I know that Loren has a time schedule that she has to keep. So I'm going to ask you, is there anything else that I can do for you right now before we have to say goodbye? I, oh, just trying to breathe. <laughs> um, no, I, I'll, I'll, I'll. I'll move forward from this. I just, I, I want to thank you because I'm really grateful because for the first time really ever in my life, I mean, I won, I had one time, one other, uh, it was an animal communicator and told me that my soul was more like a, a nature soul than a human soul. And that's the only other thing I've ever heard. So I've always been really, you know, um, I mean, it's true. I've never felt safe on this. I've never felt safe here. I've never felt loved. And I had a very abusive and traumatic childhood. But I, um, I, uh, okay, I just want to say thank you. I mean, because I, I, I feel seen because I've been really struggling. The last three weeks have been so intense. And I've just been in self-criticism that I can't get out of because I'm not, functioning like everybody else and 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 like people are saying oh everything's so great in 2020 and you're going to do what you're here to be doing and I'm like I still feel lost and I'm still trying to process so much shadow stuff and and so many things so I just I thank you this has been very healing and I also want to I want to thank Lauren I want to thank you Lauren for taking my call because I know you have a way to tune in and you know what I'm, you, you just do. I know this about you. And I also know that you have a very compassionate heart. And I wouldn't have felt safe saying and speaking the things that I did had it not been for you and the space that you radiate here. And so thank you for allowing that. And I'm just so grateful for you seeing me. Thank you, you. Oh, 
Melissa, you're getting me now. You're getting me, and I'm going to have to try not to cry here myself, but I just want to share with you, sweet sister. It is not all roses out there, and we all understand that. We are each being asked from a heart level, from a higher self level, to choose love, love for ourselves, love in our relationships, everything that is based on older foundations that were not created from that platform here in 2020 is indeed going to come up. So you are in a clearing process. Trust that and know it. You will get through it. When you get done with that, when you decide that you are done beating that little girl up within yourself, that you know how to take care of that little girl, that that little girl all along the lifetime of this current lifetime and even past lifetimes, that when you are able to give that being and that person the love and shift from the love, that is the goal. And we may say, yay, we're feeling it. It's 2020. But if there's those who are still processing because we cannot carry this baggage with us, Good luck on your journey, clearing out that baggage. You got this. You can do it. And, and if I may, and if I may add to Loren and yes. and Melissa, I spent the whole morning. I went out into my pasture and I meditated three separate times. And before I went to sleep last night, I prayed. I prayed harder than I think I ever prayed for my own healing. That the perfect people who needed to hear this message would be on the call today. Yes. And that I would be in the best service. And I have been surrounded by the animals. And I am sure that they brought you to this phone call today. And I also want to say to Loren, I've said this now to you several times, I am grateful for you because your show had an impact on my journey as well. And there are people like us who live for 40 or 50 years, who don't feel safe, who who don't, maybe it's just not the right time for us. I don't know. But I'm saying to you, Melissa, I want you to believe from this moment forward, I want to hear you say 2020 is my year because I just made this phone call. I showed up. You showed up. You yes. came to the call. Yes. And here we are. And we're doing it from new foundations of love. That's the four-year. This is 2020. That's a four, a four-year foundation. And I've noticed that even in my own life, the January 1st was this incredible shift in my life. It rocked me to my core. I was devastated, defeated, deflated, angry, betrayed. But guess what I did? I heard my higher self, and that's the key. I heard my higher self. My higher self told me exactly what to do. I didn't believe it. My ego mind said, how in the world, why, I didn't use those kind soft words. I used curse words. How in the world am I supposed to say the Ho'oponopono, I love you, forgive me, I'm sorry, thank you. How am I supposed, why do I have to say I'm sorry when I feel betrayed? But you know what? I did it. I did it. And it immediately shifted the energy. Immediately, it opened up new communication lines and it shifted the energy. And so we have this tool among powerful tools. There's many tools, the violet flame, and we can use these tools to 
bring the highest outcome in the current moment. So I challenge, I don't challenge, but I call on everyone listening. Let's do an experiment with the Ho'oponopono. Those four phrases, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. They literally dissolve the energetics and the cords that create the distortions. And so if we do this for the animals, Melissa, do that with the pain that you see and the empath that you are with the animals. Do the Ho'oponopono. You can say those four phrases in any order. We can do it for our government leaders, our world leaders. Mm -hmm. We can do it for systems that we don't believe in. We can do it for the opioid epidemic. And let's be the witnesses of the change that comes when we offer these tools for the collective. So I invite everyone to play with that, please. And let us know with an email or however you wish. Let us know how things have dissolved. I can tell you I've written it in a message to my neighbor, and I learned more about her in one email. By using that fra- those four phrases woven in an email, I learned more about her in that one email than I did in eight years of living next to her. So mm-hmm. that's really important, and I think this is where we experience this new earth shift by using the tools that help us clear. Yeah. And I I use that um, prayer as well. Um, Yes. And I also, there's another piece that I love to share with people, and that is our forgiveness of others, that I forgive everyone for everything unconditionally, no matter what, including myself, love is the answer. And that is very powerful because at the heart of all of our trauma, at the heart of all of our mistrust, at the heart of all of our feeling betrayed is our deep wound of feeling betrayed by God or us feeling as if we have somehow betrayed ourselves. I mean, we're all different and complicated and everything, but um, there's so much to this and it's beautiful, Loren. That was so incredibly beautiful. Melissa, I hope that this helps you. I look forward to speaking with you. I know that we will connect, and I send you a lot of love and gratitude. Oh, blessings, blessings. I send love and gratitude to all of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Melissa. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Okay. Love. Love, love. (laughs) Feel this love. Tap into the one heart of the great love when you feel saddened, okay? And use that to fuel yourself. You can shift it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. 2020 is your year. It's our year. I know. I can tell. You know, it's not so easy. I go to a chiropractor every week, and I always love checking in with him because he meets the whole community. And I always ask him, I'm like, how's it going? And he said, people are having a difficult shift into 2020. And again, you guys, it's love. Just think we're shifting once and for all to the new operating system of love. So choose love, create from love, watch what comes up, and 
go smoothly and flow freely. I want to thank my guest today, Jenny Jablonski. She has sessions available at a very special price. And Jenny, before we go, please share anything more that you'd like to add about those sessions. Well, I do offer packages for people that have more than one animal or um, know that their animal is traumatized and is going to need more sessions. Or these sessions can be for humans as well, too. They don't have to be just animal communication sessions. Um, a lot of animals are traumatized because we have trauma ourselves. Um, I'm I'm just honored every time someone reaches out to me to work with them, and I I hope that um, everybody finds these prices to be fair. I try to keep my prices lower than most other animal communicators, and they normally charge between $250 to $550 an hour, so I try to keep my fees well below $200 an hour. And if you have multiple sessions with me, I decrease. If you If you have more than three sessions, I decrease the cost even more. So I hope that people find um, uh, my manner of work and style of work um, resonates with them, and I look forward to to meeting everybody in the future. And Loren, I would love to um, participate in a healing retreat sometime with you if you think that is something that we could pull off together. I think that there is enough um, material here that we could share some good healing together. Absolutely. And those have evolved into mastery empowerment courses. So we will talk about that online. Everyone stay tuned because as this show gets encored, um, we'll do that right before that mastery empowerment course comes online and you'll see that available. So stay tuned for that. Well, Ginny, thank you so much. And we thank everyone who has joined us and opened their hearts for this beautiful communication and connection with the animal kingdom. Uh, you are all here for a reason, and you care about the animals, and what a beautiful investment to offer your pets if you feel that this is helpful for them. So we thank you, too. And I know just the callers tonight have really cracked my heart open even further. And I know from Yoga or Light Activator on our YouTube channel and all the beautiful voices over on the YouTube that um, we share our love with all of you as well. Thanks for all your comments. And I thank you too, Ginny. What a beautiful, beautiful experience. The animals, thank you. And we thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your time very much. Yes, we'll have you back again for some Q&A with more callers. All right. Well, now it is the time to dance our way to the cosmic heart. And we do this with a little fun. And so this is for you to remember your love.
Thank you for listening to this quantum conversation and thank you for dancing with us to the cosmic heart. As we raise our own vibration, we raise the vibration of the planet. This show is dedicated to you and all awakening hearts as we are here to shine our bright light and amplify our love. Access all quantum conversations, special offers from our guests, and online healing retreats by visiting AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and from my sacred heart to yours, I honor your magnificent love and light. We leave you now with music from the universe. Music literally created by the universe as musical notes were assigned to mathematical equations. The result is this beautiful music available at AcousticHealth.com. Namaste. Namaste.